0: Hey guys, this is Zach from the Anti Heroes podcast, and I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep one hundred percent of their royalties. Can you believe that? Anti Heroes listeners get thirty percent off at distrokid.com/slash/vip/slash anti-heroes. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash antiheroes. Thank you so much and support all the folks at DistroKid because they're they're doing amazing work. And we couldn't be happier to have them on board. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. We couldn't be luckier to have these guys on board with us. I personally use these products, and you should too. Find out more about them at jimdunlop.com. Let's get on to the podcast. Another episode of the Anti Heroes Podcast with your host, Zach Blair. I am Zach Blair. Thank you for joining. How's everybody doing? You know, I'd like to try to talk to you more before we get started and we get thrown into talking all this nerdy junk about guitar playing and stuff. Um, you know, get to know you guys and let you get to know me. If you want to, you could also fast forward all this shit. And not listen to me talk at all. That is your prerogative. But uh, yeah, I, I'm good. We are my band. I play in the band Rise Against. We are going on tour uh, here in September, which is might be after September when this is airing. Um, and if it is after that and you came and saw us at festivals that we have posted on our socials, then thank you for coming. And I hope we were good. I hope we didn't disappoint. We try not to disappoint. But you never know. Um, so today my guest is Mr. Paul Damore. Now, Paul was the original member of Tool. And if you don't know who Tool is, I don't know what to do for you. But Tool, one of the largest, um, quote unquote, alternative bands of all time. People could call them a metal band. People call them heavy rock people. I think they're in the corner all to themselves. No one sounds like Tool. I've always respected Tool because they use their powers for good and not evil. They are enormous and play stadiums on their own and yet take out bands that they like, Uh, like Killing Joke. I went and saw them with Killing Joke and I just thought that was such a cool thing for them to do because Killing Joke are one of my favorite bands of all time. And, you know, they don't need anyone to put asses in chairs, so to speak. Uh, which is the technical term? They just wanted to take a band out that they wanted to listen to play. They've taken out King Crimson, which is unbelievable. Also, a huge King Crimson fan. So anyway, that's Tool, and Paul was an original member of that band. He was the original bassist. So if you know the song "Sober," which is the, arguably the biggest Tool hit, we had a huge, amazing uh, art claymation video in the '90s that I remember it was just mesmerizing and haunting, and uh, that is the song "Sober." and That song is propelled by this bass riff that's bass chords. If you know that riff, then that is Paul DeMore, my guest today. Uh, Paul famously left Tool, quit Tool, at sort of the height of their stardom um, for creative differences, for musical reasons. We don't, I don't want to talk to him much about that because, you know, I would imagine that somebody that has left such a enormous band at some point has been talked, you know, every interview he's done, he's probably talked about that for years. So I didn't want to harp on that. You know, I wanted him to know that I was interested in more than just the fact that he was in this huge band, which of course I feel like is really interesting. That's such an incredible achievement for anyone to have been in a band like them, but he, he soldiered on, you know, he cried, he quit the band cause he, he, I guess the age old, uh, musical differences in quotes, but that truly is why he left. He wanted to do other things. He wanted to be more creative in other, other genres. He wanted to play different instruments. Um, I know, you know, this is a bit of a sidestep for this podcast because he is a bass player, but I want to do that. You know, I want to talk to, to me, it is a bass guitar being the operative word. But as you'll hear, Paul doesn't just consider himself a bassist. He considers himself a musician. He wants to play all kinds of music. And we do talk about his guitar playing because as you hear, he has an uh, as yet unnamed uh, supergroup side project thing coming up that he can't really talk about yet. And hopefully we'll get him back to talk about that when he can. But, you know, over the years, he's done solo work. He's done soundtrack work, commercial work. And now uh, he is a member of ministry. He's joined ministry a few years back. And man, what an interesting, awesome pairing that is, Paul DeMoore with ministry. I think each side are lucky to have each other. Uh, we talk about his influences, and he blows my mind with one of his major influences, and it ties everything together, folks. It makes so much sense. And my dork brain, it, uh, it, just, it just clicks. It's like a mouth problem working out for you. A long division. Anyway, uh, I will quit blathering so you can listen to me blather at my guest today, Paul Damore. hey paul
1: yo yo uh
0: i've already done a big intro but uh to everyone this is paul demore paul you are currently in ministry uh you've done time in the band tool you have your own solo stuff um i just say right now like what got you we we talked before and i i sort of said you know a pigeonholed you as just a bass player and and you are totally correct in saying that you are a musician. So what do you, what did you start on? Like what was your first instrument?
1: Oh, I think, you know, as all of us kids growing up, you know, playing punk rock music in the garage, you know, it was like, it was just musical chairs, whoever grabbed whatever first, you know, I think we all sort of learned how to play a bit of the drums and right. bass, whatever was just there's like a hundred different bands with different people in the scene and you know, you just like float around and you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. Is that what it is?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I love that though. You know, and I used to do the same thing. You want to get to practice early and play the guy's drums before he got there and then he'd show up and the fuck you're doing to my drums, you know, whatever. Uh, (laughs) It's always fun. I've always been a frustrated drummer. So, so, did you gravitate toward any one thing specifically, or do you just kind of play whatever with whoever?
1: I just like making cool music, so however yeah. that happens, I never really had like a, a, you know, you just make it make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it and so I don't know. I guess I sort of like for the bass. It kind of I was a big fan of the band No Means No. Oh my god! And that bass sound was so different than. You know, what everybody thinks of just walking the dog and, you know, kind of hanging back and doing that thing. And that dude was just like, he was, he was it. Well, you you just, you just. Like secondary to that.
0: You just derailed this podcast because that's one of my favorite bands. And (laughs) I. uh I'm not only a Rob Wright, John Wright fan, but I'm, I'm specifically an Andy Kerr fan, the original Andy Wright guitar player, singer. Um, right. as, and a matter of fact, yeah. a fan of his band, Siss and All, and now he has a band that I think I'm the only one that knows about. It's a band called Two Pin Din, that it's him and the guitar player for the band, the Dogface Hermans, and they do this like, it sounds like no means no, but it's just two guitar players, no drums, no bass. But it's his voice, mm-hmm. his like, you know how angry that guy sounded? He sounded like he was going to oh, yeah. fucking blow up a grocery store or something. Um, <laughs> like perpetually. Yeah,
1: he's definitely like bomber qualities. Yeah, on.
0: like serious ill will toward humanity kind of a thing. And um, I've just, God damn it, I've just been such a fan and such a fan of them and Rob Wright specifically to where I sort of found out that that bass tone, it was a Jubilee series solid state Marshall head. It was a rack space, like a rack head.
1: Oh yeah. I never really found out the, I just kind of did my own thing. And well, it makes so much sense. sense.
0: It makes so much sense. Now, now hearing that from you, because you know, your work with tool, I mean, Jesus Christ, that's got Rob Wright all over it. You know, that, that makes so much sense. certainly.
1: I tried to chase those big piano sounds. Yeah. Just like, just piano wire through a marshal that's kind of what i've always kind of tried to get to
0: well that's exactly you Now the kids yeah. are
1: doing that with all the dark glass gink 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 gink, gink you know yeah. all that super bright clangy stuff that's i think it's gone a little too far and it's lost some of that uh warmth
0: yeah yeah it's funny my brother is a professional bassist he's in a band called the Toadies, and. They're recording with Steve Albini right now, and my brother also is a Rickenbacker uh, practitioner, which we'll get into that. Yeah, and he always chases that that Rob Wright tone as well. Um, and did have success. Not easy. It's not easy, but uh, you know, I think the the sort of nucleus of it is a solid state bass rig, in my opinion. Seems like at least. Yeah,
1: I never. I I guess I did play a Galeon Kruger. I had like the eight hundred RB for yeah. a minute and that was kind of close i think justin from tools still playing those ones and i think you know he's sort of gotten a little bit of that sound going too sure. so
0: sure it seems like he'd have to you know coming in after you learn
1: from the best so. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well god he uses those wall bases too those things are so fucking they're great and there's they're like ten thousand abates. it's nuts
1: oh yeah the, those are really great sounding bases
0: they really are um wow okay so that makes so much sense um and i'm so glad to have heard you say that and i mean what a fucking band no means no more god or were shit
1: yeah i i just kind of like those first like three four records were just like so stunning i i i guess i have to admit i lost track of them over the years and
0: well i'm sure
1: they have all these side projects i did see what was the uh the where they do the ramones covers the, yeah
0: the Hanson brothers
1: the Hanson brothers yeah, yeah yeah they they were they were fun but
0: i wasn't as big a know. fan after they lost andy kerr but i still was a fan because i mean there's still no means no and it's just yeah it's like it's like i just want to know what their motivation was like you know that wasn't that's hours and years of practice to get that good every night i saw them a bunch you know they're always just spectacular it's just fucking hell
1: yeah yeah they would place i i I sort of came up in, in Spokane and in Seattle, and so I was fortunate enough to sort of live in pre and sort of during the big grunge explosion sure. there. So if I remember right, I saw them play with Nirvana or something, too. It was like, you oh know, it was, it was before anybody knew anything about anything, it was yeah. like, OK. Well, that
0: was great back then because you could see bands, you could see bills like that. You know, yeah, I remember the same thing. You know, you would see like helmet on a bill with Tad or, 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 you yeah. know, or yeah. no means no and some ska band or, you know, whatever. It was just, you're right. There was never, you never knew really where to put bands. Fugazi played with every fucking, as long as it was under some sort of, you know, alternative quote unquote umbrella, it, it worked, you know. Um,
1: yeah, there are some cool like West Coast sort of noise bands going to that were really really great oh yeah yeah that sound
0: yeah well that and
1: okay. jesus lizard too is another one that sort of like kind of that bass sound and that band really sort of wanted kind of made me see it in a different way
0: yeah uh, david Williams sims i mean that's it's funny my brother's up there right now trying to <laughs> kind of do the you know it's hard not to want to do that thing when you're with steve albini you know um, yeah. Right. It's just, it's just good stuff. But so, so let me get a little nerdy. You were, you, you, back then you were using a Rickenbacker and specifically the, the Chris Squire model. Um, any, any reason, I mean, you, you had a, a regular 4,003, correct?
1: And then you got the, Yeah. I think I used that on like the first, the first opiate record. Actually, I, the first bass I was playing in with tool was one of those ovation sort of Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. One with a big, <laughs> yeah. the big yeah, beefy like bridge in the back. Yeah,
0: it looks like a like a bass would be mounted on it or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. The big mudbucker pickups in the bridge. Yeah, or in the neck. That one was kind of the first one I, I, but I just kept like bloodying my fingers on that thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It
1: had, it had like a big metal surround around the picks, and uh, then I sort of like finally. I tried a bunch of different things and the Rickenbacker was just finally the one that really
0: it worked out. kind of
1: was like, got, got that little more of a that guitar-y clang to it. Yeah. But the first 4,000 ones I didn't think had quite the low end. And then I tried the, the Chris Squire one and that had, it was a little more full-bodied with still keeping that top.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think that bass was also to his specs, which he had like, Painted it and then sanded it down, so it sanded down. You know, he had like done, so it had this real specific sort of clang and mid-range to it. Um, but yeah, man, that's I,
1: all that voodoo stuff. I don't know. About yeah, it. it's true. I mean, Nobody it's also the,
0: it's also just Chris Squire. You know, I mean, you know, there's those immortal people that they just could play anything and they just sound like that.
1: Well, it's a uh, it's it's funny. Like as the years have gone by and I've played a bunch of different things, I'm actually playing Fenders right now and I've just somehow figured out that it's almost in my fingers at this point. Yeah, Like I can make, I can make that sound happen with a lot of different things that you wouldn't think. Sure. And like, even just the guys in ministry, they're like, dude, how do you just sound like you? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's just that I I don't, it's, it's, uh, it it is a little bit of your, how you attack things and your phrasing and. Right. uh,
0: well, because guys like you and me, we've gotten there's been so many throw and go situations. You know, you you get thrown on a festival and you're playing rented gear and you have to sort of you can hear it. That you have to accommodate somehow between the two hands to make it sound the way you want to sound it because you're not getting it out of your amp. You do that so many times yeah. that you just get good at making that sound. So then when you go to your own stuff, it's like you personified. You know, you're doing, you're overcompensating, but you're still, you've gotten these bag of tricks to make you sound like you essentially.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true.
0: You know, yeah, uh, it's just the nature of the beast. So so after yeah. Tool, we don't, you know, I I know you've talked about that you've had to have talked about that ad nauseums and we don't need to do that. Um, unless of course you'd like to, but you know, after between tool and ministry, what was going on? I know you did some solo stuff and you had some, some projects on your own.
1: Yeah. We did like the replicants cover thing with the guys from failure and, um, Chris Pittman who was ended up being in guns and roses for a long time. And that, um, and then, uh, then I uh, did the Lusk Free Mars record, which was sort of at the end of that record label, that tools on Volcano okay, yeah. imploding. So unfortunately, that never really found a lot of success. But at, it's funny, over the years, it's sort of become like a bit of a cult classic. Right. People are always like writing articles about it at the Lost Paul record, I guess. I don't know. But I sort of, that record for me was like, I guess... You know tool is sort of this to me was at the time a little one-dimensional it was like bass drums guitar blah 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 everybody does their thing and i was just like i kind of just got this fever like i want to do everything right and so that was sort of that how that sort of i want to play i want weird synthesizers and i want to be able to do massive crazy effects and layers and and not have any boundaries and and I think that was, that was a fun, fun uh, time.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like
1: the first uh, time I felt like I had freedom as a musician because we finally got ADATS. All right. You know, so this is sort of free. when when Pro Tools just wasn't quite you know whatever the DAWs were out at the time they weren't quite up to snuff to do a lot of stuff. So those AD, those sixteen bit ADATS came out we got four of those and a mackie board and we just went to town yeah. for hours all day we rented a house and just like what do you want to do i don't know let's it was experimental and crazy and yeah. you know anything goes it was really a cool blossoming you know for for music i think a lot of other musicians finally had that experience too I've, over the years i've talked to some of my peers from that era yeah. We that's, like, yeah when we got ADAT. so you know i was like okay you didn't have to spend you know thousands of dollars for an engineer and all these studio right. time and all this bullshit and you had to make it in five days and mix it in two days and you know that's I remember, not, sometimes that creates great art that urgency and i'm a firm believer in urgency but at the same time you gotta fuck around to find yeah. out
0: <laughs> i remember those adat days it was uh It was, it was mind blowing. And then it was just the precursor to what we have now, which is, you know, GarageBand and Logic or whatever that just, I mean, Jesus Christ, it just sounds fucking amazing uh, if you mess with it a little bit.
1: Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%.
0: But it's, it's funny how quickly we as musicians, once we get around other musicians, become our 14, 13 year old selves. You know, if we got started early, it's like. It's it that youthful uh, exuberance, that youthful wonder, and like, oh, dude, I got a riff, check it out. You know what I mean? It's like you've made it. No matter who the fuck you are, when you get in a room with other guys, you just revert to whoever you were when you started playing music with other people. You know,
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. How did um? So that kind of for for me, like, I felt like that experience sort of opened the door for me to sort of do other things, and I sort of stumbled into doing some uh, film composing work and you know whatever doing some commercials and you know make some easy it's nice to do a TV commercial and make you know twenty grand and yeah for a thirty six hours of panic. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Right I have a friend that does so I find that...
1: myself like doing doing like you know learning how to play the ukulele because that's this ad agency was in Hawaii and they really liked what I did. So I just kept doing all this commercial work. So I ended up, you know, getting a bunch of awards in the Southeast Asia commercial market.
0: (laughs) No shit.
1: I'm big in Asia.
0: That's awesome. I, you know, I have a friend that does that for a living and he said the hardest part for him was like making sure the song crescendoed at like, you know, in a hidden Valley ranch commercial, as the sun comes up over the hill, you know, or whatever it might be. He said he had to like really time code that shit out and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh it's an interesting puzzle. It's certainly not uh soul satisfying, but you know, I actually quite enjoyed some aspects of that. Just, yeah. I couldn't do it all the time, but you know, but I do, I do enjoy, uh, you know, putting uh, uh, music to picture as a really um, a powerful tool. Yeah. A powerful medium. Yeah. It's really like I've worked on some shit films and all of a sudden you put in some some a little bit of cool vibe and all of a sudden the actor's dialogue isn't so flat and the scene has a little momentum and it's kind of, that's satisfying to do yeah. for sure
0: yeah i mean as musicians i you know i i feel like music kind of makes everything better <laughs> you know
1: 100 um, yeah, percent.
0: how did how did uh, ministry come around how did that how did that happen for you
1: Um, I don't know. I had met Al a couple times in the nineties and we had some, some, uh, you know, history there. And, um, yeah. And then we just sort of through actually through our dentist, (laughs) we had shared the same dentist. I think our dentist probably broke some rule there, but he was saying, Oh, I need a bass player with our bass player just left or whatever. And then you know because Al and I had sort of lost touch over the years, so, anyways, he was off doing his Al ministry, he had its turn there, and yeah, um, but yeah, so the dentist was like, Well, actually, we have a cool bass player that's one of our clients, too. And he mentioned my name, and then we just sort of like reconnected and it just seemed like a really good fit.
0: Are you Are you still out in LA?
1: Are you? I live in, in Ohio. Okay, oh,
0: okay, 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 Ojai. oh, hi. oh, gotcha, it's like, okay.
1: An hour and a half from downtown LA, basically. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Well, that's. I mean, I when I yeah,
1: ministry was like kind of a good. It was a good fit for me just because I, I was such a huge fan, you know, coming up, and I think those records were always being played while we were making those Tool records, and it was just part of my zeitgeist at this point, you know. So, yeah, I just feel like they're my songs in a weird way, even though write them
0: (laughs) no i'm just
1: like it's built in
0: i get that i mean it it, you do own a certain part of this music that's sort of ubiquitous in your life you know you do have a bit of ownership on that especially as a musician where you might have already learned those songs because they were just sort of in your head like oh i wonder what that riff is whatever and i have a bit like we talked about i have a bit of the same sort of thing with specifically ministry because of like the immortal guitar player uh Mike Skasha, who uh, rest in peace, was a yeah. great friend of mine. And so he was, you know, of course, in ministry and especially that one lineup, the the Mind Is a Terrible Thing to Taste tour, uh, that yeah. that lineup, Martin Atkins and William Riflin and Mike and, you know, just yeah. Paul Barker. Yeah. It's just yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What a great yeah. band. What an important yeah. band. And, and when I heard you were playing with them, I was just like, wow, that is such, A, it makes so much sense. And B, that is such a great pairing. that's That's just great.
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a blast too, and you know it's a the it's a killer band right now. All the guys are so awesome, and is Roy Mayorga still your drummer? Roy is the drummer. Roy and I have a great time playing together. He's so awesome.
0: I bet he's a great guy. I've met him a bunch, and, and we've you know doing the festival circuit together for a while. And yeah, yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, what he a and nice I
1: just lock in so well.
0: Yeah, also in the punk band what, Anti Yeah. What is that the band he's in? I could be wrong, but I believe he's in antisemics. Uh And I could be pronouncing that really? wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't know. He's He does a lot of stuff. I can't he, keep, keep track of his. Favorite. He was in Nausea. That was like the nausea, big New York.
0: Nausea. He was in Nausea. I knew that. And I could have sworn he also toured with it. There was like a documentary about it. I, I got to be saying that wrong. But anyway, anyway, blah. But we'll tell him I said, hi, he's uh
1: I will, yeah, for yeah, sure. He's, he's yeah, a great I'm going to see him on Tuesday. So oh, good. we're just getting ready to start or doing a video, a quick video, and then we start rehearsals right after that.
0: Did, did, um, and you know, I, I think I'm totally wrong about anti I think you're right, it was just nausea. Um, anyway, um, so how long will this, you guys are doing, have you done the festival circuit this, this summer or are you?
1: No, we kind of we did our big spring tour, and then I think Al was moving into a new house, and there was just summer wasn't didn't summer. We everybody just kind of took summer off, I guess. Gotcha. And so now we're doing we had we had, which was a great tour. We uh, had Gary Newman out with us and Frontline <laughs> Assembly. It was like such a great I lineup. Heard about Both that. those bands were really really awesome.
0: It broke so my was, heart. It was a
1: really nice pairing.
0: It broke my heart i didn't get to go see that because i'm also a huge gary newman fan i actually asked him if i could meet him one time i was just like hey can i meet you and he was like yeah you already are like you know yeah but yeah man. he's a
1: sweetheart i'm sure he would well, he's up for anything
0: what a talented guy jesus christ um, yeah
1: no and we're all like super like you know 80s geeks in the band and, <laughs> yeah. you know so.
0: It doesn't get more 80s. So we're
1: all just, like, worshiping at the feet of Newman every night. It was really fun.
0: Those two-boy army records, man. Jeez. Yeah. Um, he didn't
1: play as much of the old stuff as I would have liked, but his new stuff is um, – it's it's different, but I, it's good. Good. It's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the band – his band is great.
0: And what a great um, – what a great but package. yeah,
1: so now we're going out with um, – Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie.
0: That's a great tour.
1: <laughs> and and uh, also filter filters opening, then ministry, Alice Cooper, Rob Zombie, I think is what it's gonna be. Oh, that's... So that's gonna be like fun, major markets, yeah, playing sheds and arenas and you know
0: what a what a fucking package, Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, i mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know all the alice newer alice cooper stuff too much but i'm yeah. certainly a fan
0: yeah i'm I sure that
1: you find a show and there'll be some guillotines and sure. electrocutions and some boa constrictors and well you would all hope. good stuff one would hope yeah
0: you know yeah it'd be like Guar without yeah. the costumes it's like you know you want to see you want to see all the um yeah oh man what a package you know and it's like there are those mega tours now, you know, the, the sort of de, uh, Def Leppard and Motley Crue and, you know, all that. And I, I, I'm not a Taylor Swift music fan, but I do believe she's bringing people to these like large stadium shows and people want to go see live music and bands like yeah. our bands get to do these huge packages. Now and play in these bigger arenas because it's like, it's kind of becoming commonplace, which is great. It's
1: great. Yeah. It's like little, I think that's the new thing. Cause we went out with uh slayer on their farewell tour so it was like phil anselmo ministry primus slayer that was like it's you know it's like a mini mini festival package it is so
0: it is and then and you know as well as i do for those packages for guys like you and me we do a 30 45 minute set and we're like you know you can go catch a movie that night and shit you know
1: oh yeah i love it yeah (laughs) it's the best i think we get like we get 40 minutes and that's just like enough to just go out there and give it 110 percent and for sure leave it leave it on the stage yeah you know just when, when you're the headliner you got to kind of like pace yeah. yourself to pull yeah. off uh, two hours or whatever it is
0: it's just bang 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 just all the hits and then you know later yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's pretty meat and potatoes there's a couple new ones but um
0: oh that's yeah. awesome that's awesome so yeah. you've had a chance to record with the guys now and and
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: how was that process
1: Um, well, I think at the heart of it, it's ministry is Al's baby and he just, you know, he has this vision for how everything's going to sound. And I think you just kind of bring it, everybody comes in and does their little bits and tries to, you know, make it better. And, you know, we'll write a bunch of stuff. Al will tear it apart and cut it up and chop it in half and flip it and add samples and all kinds of stuff. And, then you come back and reinterpret it again and you know that's how it goes
0: all right that's fun though you know yeah
1: yeah you know i in a weird way it's i i enjoy it because it's sort of you know when you're making this is my album and i gotta just lay it all out there and put my soul on platter and do the my best greatest thing ever every single time and with ministry i just hear some cool shit see what happens right if it doesn't get on the record whatever right you know it's just it isn't it it is what it is and it's a little kind of a cool outlet for me to sort of you know sure throw some shit at the wall and see what happens
0: well it's fun because it kind of leaves ego at the door right you know it's like i've had this conversation with a few guys that have joined already established Um, bands that already have their thing and already have their sound. I did it. I mean, I joined a band that had already been very established. And you sort of have to leave everything at the door because they have worked on this thing and curated this thing that is obviously successful and that, I mean, you know, they're doing fine. Um, Yeah. And so it was, it's a learning curve, you know, you got to, you kind of have to get over You know your own thing really you
1: know yeah which is fine you know it's like i have the ability to do anything i want so i can do that when i want to
0: yeah exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and then you can go do your own thing which i did too yeah
1: and i love playing with ministry those guys are awesome and it's a a blast to to um be able to be involved in that
0: yeah do you consider yourself well like when, when you do play guitar um and and your own thing and and stuff. What, what do you gravitate towards? What kind of, what, what guitars do you like the most?
1: Oh, I have a, like a nineties gold top, Les Paul, whatever the Les Paul special. I don't, I forget what the model is, but that's all I ever play. Yeah. (laughs) I can make that Les Paul do everything. Yeah. You know, you really kind of can. It's just so you cue it right. You can get some jangly sounds. If you want beefy, badass rock and roll, there it is. If you want some dark, jazzy neck sounds, there it is. All right. Roll that tone knob off and you got fuzzy grunge. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's to me, it's one of the best, greatest guitars of all time.
0: I mean, it's it's undeniable. It's what I use as well and you just kind of can't, you know, fuck. I mean, I get bored sometimes because they're just so good. It's like, ah, oh, it's fun. You know, but then everybody plays them and it's like, I, I always respect the guys like like the SST guys, like Greg Ginn or whoever, that just found a weirdo guitar and they stuck with that by hook or crook. Now, sometimes like the Dan Armstrong that he used or the Moss Wright 2 that Johnny Ramone used, they're shitty guitars. Yeah. You know, they're breaking, they're doing, yeah. you have to modify them to get them to yeah. work and shit. So I, it's a struggle. I get it. And when you're like, just play a fucking Les Paul and you're going to be fine. But I respect the struggle. Yeah. I guess I respect the struggle. You
1: know. Yeah. No, I certainly have my share of pawn shop uh, Frankenstein guitars. Oh, sure. Those each have some interesting tones to so, you know, but and then you can never you can't replicate this. Oh
0: no, not at all. This yeah. is a Dan Electro, everybody. <laughs> yeah. You can never replicate that. You know, have your no. has your rig um are you like on profilers now with ministry? Or are you still using straight up tube amps?
1: I kind of do a combo. I'm um uh I am actually going back to Ashdown for this tour for okay. the head. Okay which I think are great sounding amps. Um, I was using that dark glass one for a minute, but it, the clean sound was just so flat. Okay. I mean, God bless you, dark glass. And they, I use their pedals, though. I use the um, the VK7, yeah. and uh, uh, they have this other preamp thing that's pretty rad, too. It's great stuff. So I put that in the head, and then I come out of that into the two notes audio speaker emulator. Oh, okay and uh we'd actually have a ministry pack that oh, wow. we made for two notes which um is rad for front of house and it just it's pretty you can really tweak it right. it sounds really nice so we we modeled like the original like old dog uh ministry warlord 810 ampeg cabinet so wow yeah that's right. That things been through battle but it sounds amazing right um uh so it's sort of a combo and i think i'm actually i just got these um emperor just made me some cabinets yeah that's a great caps so i think i'm gonna probably blend the mic with the 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 two notes thing and see if we can make that happen
0: make that a thing because
1: i'm kind of as much as i love the digital thing and it's super reliable. I miss a little bit of that warmth from a microphone. Sure. Yeah. It's a little not as consistent, I think, as the two notes. Yeah. Because we're all on ears, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. People understand. So I, I can... like
1: that consistency, and you ha- end up with, you know, having your monitor mix r- exactly the same every single night.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always crazy to me when I see somebody doing these bigger festivals and they're not even on, they're not on ears yet. You know what I mean? Like the old school guys, like how the fuck, you know, just, it just standardized everything. And, and with that profilers, you're right. It's like, it is a consistent thing. And I actually hear different frequencies in the profilers that I don't hear in my marshals, but there is a give and a take. You're right. There's a warmth. You sort of do give up for sure. For sure.
1: Yeah. And the guy, and Monty and Caesar, the guitar players, those guys are both using Kemper's. I know that uh, they, Caesar's been kind of going back and forth, and he also plays a wizard. Oh, yeah. One of those yeah. heads. So he's been sort of, one night it's the wizard, one night it's the Kemper. He can't make up his mind, which is, you know, they both have these, like, different sounds, yeah. you
0: know. I'm with them, man. I, I I doing the same thing. I go back and forth between my Marshall stuff and the Kemper stuff. But uh,
1: you know, ultimately, the and for, for, and for in the studio, I've been loving the Neural DSP. Oh yeah, plugins.
0: Yeah, I, those
1: sound fantastic.
0: I have one right here. <laughs>
1: oh, there you go. I don't. I'm. I was thinking about getting one of those. They're, it's, it's they're great
0: they're great it's the
1: Kemper killer i hear
0: it's that's what they call it and you know what i just got in the kemper and then our bassist joe got started talking to these people for anyone that's listening it's the quad cortex um and they sent me one out to demo and man it's you can't fucking really argue You can't argue with any of it it sounds fucking great and they're yeah they're presets you can profile your own stuff with it but just their presets it's like everything's already in there you know yes i might have yeah. like a hot rotted which i do have a hot rotted gmp that i like but i can get a reasonable facsimile of it in this by yeah. just fucking yeah. with you know whatever yeah
1: i know i don't want to like those things but then they just they rule so it's like what can you do
0: <laughs> they really yeah it's like what can what can you do especially for flyouts and things like that like you and i do it's like and yeah. you, you know Good also the rival and the argument can be made like guys like you and I have a crew and shit, but man, it's so much easier to, for a, like a travel pack. It just, you know, anyway, I'll get into yeah. the weeds talking about that. So, you know, before I ever let anyone to go, I always ask, do you have something that like one that got away, like a guitar or an amp or a piece of gear or something over the course of touring? Like maybe you hawked or you got stolen or something like that. You lost.
1: Huh? I've never really had anything stolen. But I sort of I just got back my 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 first that that ovation bass oh. I was talking about. And I first started I I I gave it to like a family member and they were starting a band. I was like, "Your you're a kid, you know, why don't you play on this and and it just sort of disappeared and I forgot about it and I finally was like, Where did that go? I need that back. Yeah, I need Yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that, that I, just came back into my possession.
0: I love those stories that they, they actually come back because, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it meant something to you, you know, and did that actually, Oh yeah. did that make it on any tool recordings?
1: I'm not sure. That's a good question. I think it was just that first 4,001 and the, the Chris Squire that I ended up playing with. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah. there was like a live thing or something. Oh, I know. It's on the demos, the first tool cassette demos. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's what was on that.
0: No shit. So, that's that's so. an interesting tidbit, yeah. Because those basses are yeah. so, oh my god! And there was the guitar, the breadwinner. Their guitar was the Elevation Breadwinner, and Ace Freely actually played one of those for a bit. And there's right. a few yeah. pictures. But yeah. such oddball guitars, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're very sixties or seventies or whatever. I don't yeah, know yeah, what year yeah. that is.
0: Of the time, that's for sure. I remember there was that you're yeah. right, there was like that ashtray looking thing around the pickups. It was like a yeah, weird that's the one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge family had one. So that was cool.
0: Yeah, he did. He definitely did. Uh, well I, <laughs> I, I won't I won't keep you much longer, man. Um so so what's coming up next for you? What do you got going on?
1: Um, well, I, I'm working on a project. It's kind of like a super group kind of thing. Okay. So it's unnamed and it's not out yet. So I'm kind of keeping it on the DL, but it's um, pretty high profile lead singer who's on tour right now with a big band Right. and, and an amazing drummer who's also out on tour with a pretty, pretty uh, pot shit band. So um, I'll let you know right. when that comes out, but it's basically me. I wrote all the music and then those guys are coming in to do the vocals and drums awesome. It's going to be badass.
0: So you're playing guitar and bass, everything, huh? Yeah. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, when you. When yeah. So hopefully when, and when everybody comes back from tour in the fall, we'll, we'll pull that out of our asses. and.
0: Awesome. Well, when it. when it comes out, I'd love to talk to you again and we can, you know, speaking of super groups, yeah, you sure. did talk about the replicants and, and with the, the uh, failure guys. I just love that band as well. And. That's that's awesome yeah. a, a great a great mix you with those guys. You're such a discernible. You're right. You do sound like you with whatever you do, and you are such a discernible player with such a discernible voice, which I think is the hallmark and and the, the sort of um, achievement any musicians looking for that they can sound like themselves on whatever piece of gear or whatever they do, and they they brought a signature sound to something. So, I feel like uh, mini- of piece. course, I feel like Ministry are lucky to have you and uh what a great pairing. I think it's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's and, times.
0: and Rob, Wright, It makes so much fucking sense. So much sense. So happy. <laughs> so happy. I'm come, so happy. Come out you and see
1: that. us. We're coming to Texas. I think Dallas is the first show of the tour.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm from there and uh, I will, you know, I'll come out with Casey Orr, who's, who's done time in, in ministry. Uh, shout out to Casey. All right. Orr. Yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. Well, hey, Paul Demore, thank you so much for doing uh, the podcast. Thank you. There you have it. Me and Paul Demore, man. You know, we also talked off mic that I was sort of like a stalker following Al Jorgensen around in Barcelona, Spain about a year ago. And I couldn't get the nerve to talk to him. And uh, it was him and his wife, and I didn't want to bother him. You know, we each had a day off. I was walking around Las Ramblas in uh, Barcelona, and he was walking around with his wife. And you know, he's he's Al Jorgensen. He definitely is a discernible looking human being. And as I've talked about on this podcast, and Paul and I just talked about it, um, the greatest guitar player I've ever known was a guy named Mike Skasha who played in ministry and they're sort of like, Heyday, you know, this is touring on minds is a terrible thing to taste on through, you know, their Filth Pig record and all their, you know, their biggest hits. And that was Mike Scotia. And Mike was the best guitar player I, I think I've ever known. He was a Dallas guy. I was a Dallas guy. He had a band called Rigor Mortis. I worshipped them when I was a kid he sort of took me under his wing he was very nice to me knew i was a huge fan when i was in guar that was also through mike because guar's bassist casey orr who was in rigor mortis with mike so all these guys sort of took me under their wing and were very kind and also fucked with me like i was their little brother but i just couldn't have loved him anymore and respected him anymore and mike unfortunately passed away in the most iconic way you could pass away as a musician he died on stage playing a lead guitar solo, which is the way you want to go. But anyway, uh, RIP Mike Skasha, And uh, Mike was in ministry for a long time. And Mike was also very, very good friends with Mike, with Al Jorgensen, as, as you could expect. And so I wanted to talk to him about my connection with Mike and my connection with Casey and other people that have done time in ministry. Casey sorry, has also been in ministry. But I couldn't get up the nerve after all these years of doing it. I just couldn't get up the nerve. And I just I found out that my guest, Paul Damore, here was with Al at that. And now I, I realized it was him. I, there was another couple with Al and his wife. So missed opportunities, but it was so nice to connect with Paul. Now, I feel like I made a friend, don't you think? Anyway. Um, I'd be remiss not to leave uh, you guys with thanking the folks over at uh, Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. Find out what they're doing over at JimDunlop.com. Also, I'm going to thank the folks at DistroKid. Uh, find out what they're doing, and uh, and yeah, we're lucky to have them on, on board. So uh, we will talk to you soon. I'm going to leave you here at the end with some of Paul's bass playing. Now, this is... The song Sober by the band Tool. You have to know this song. Uh, This is one of the most discernible, ubiquitous bass lines uh, of all time. It it propels the song, which was just a huge, huge song, and you can still hear it today everywhere. So this is Paul's bass playing. This has been uh, the Antiheroes Podcast. I am Zach Blair. Thank you so much again for listening.
1: I am just a worthless liar. I am just an imbecile. I will only complicate you. Trust in me and fall as well. I will find a center in you. I will chew it up and leave. Trust Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me.